Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, Yasmin, I haven't asked you this in a long time, but what are you sipping on today? Oh man, you caught me on a day where I've had two cups of coffee. So I actually went down the street because the weather is so beautiful here in LA. It's been raining for a few weeks and it's finally sunny. So I was like, let me get out of the house, take a break. And um, I went to Alfred's, which is a coffee shop down my street and I got a half calf. So not fully caffeinated but a half calf iced almond milk latte and it completely hit the spot so it was a nice little trip oh i love that alfred's is so good i know we're fans how about you what are you drinking what are you sipping on well you also caught me in a day where i had two coffees really? one espresso <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those days i think yeah. um i just now it's my new favorite thing we'll have one espresso and then i mix vanilla protein powder and a little bit of warm water blend it up and it's so good yeah. um it's a, a new protein powder that one of my companies is working on so it's really exciting and i guess the only thing i don't know is i don't know what heating protein powder does to the protein yeah if anybody's listening to this and they know can you dm us because it's it's one of my favorite drinks but i guess i just don't know if i'm getting the full benefit of the protein powder, but it tastes great. You know, I've never tried protein powder. I'll have to try it. I do collagen when I make it at home, like a vanilla collagen all the time, and it's delicious, but I love the added protein because after all these interviews, we all know we're under eating protein, so any chance we could get. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I'm excited to get into today's interview. We talk a lot about cycle syncing, and I was curious, Yasmin, we've kind of been in the realm of cycle syncing for a while now and understanding it really over the past two years and implementing it in our lives. So I haven't made all of the changes that are recommended with cycle syncing, but I have made a few. And I'm curious to know if you've made any changes or maybe what's one change that you've made since you've learned about cycle syncing, which if you're listening and you don't know what that is, is essentially modifying your lifestyle, your diet, your exercise, your social life, Mm -hmm. to be more in alignment with where you are in your menstrual cycle. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm laughing because we do these interviews every week and even though I know what to do, I'm still not even implementing it as perfectly as I can. But one thing that has worked for me is in terms of really knowing. So first of all, tracking your cycle. We talk all about that today with Mindy. I didn't do that for years. And that's something just because since we started BI's got into. So even knowing where you are in your cycle has been game changing for me. And then the biggest thing I've done is the second half of my cycle, right? When you're gearing up for your period, I have really, I'm trying so hard not to pack my schedule. So minimizing social events, not doing so many podcasts, right? Cause I have this and behind our empire, but I'm not perfect because even this last month, I can't remember if we talked about this. It was just a 
particularly busy week. I had a bunch of podcasts, social things, life, you know, it happens. We're all not perfect. And I remember just being like, I am so exhausted and I just feel more anxious and normal. Like this is a normal week for me. And of course I look at where I'm at in my cycle and it's the second half. So again, I even still need these reminders, but you know, now looking forward, I'm like, I don't want to be in that position again. And I really want to just honor how I'm feeling in my body because it's just, it's not fun to feel that way, especially when I'm empowered and I know where I'm at with my cycle and what to do. So long-winded way of saying what I've tried to do, what I've gone in wrong, um, but you know, we're all a work in progress. But how about you? What have you kind of shifted since kind of learning about cycle syncing? Yeah, absolutely. I So in today's episode, we learn a lot about what exactly happens in the different phases of your cycle. And when you start your menstrual cycle, when you start the first day of your period, your hormones drop. So your estrogen is high, your testosterone is high, um, your progesterone is high. And then when you're, when you start bleeding, everything just drops. And for me, those first two to three days of my period, I don't feel like really doing much. Mm-hmm. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to be super social. I just want to rest and just honoring that and being okay with it and saying, Hey, these two to three days, I'm not going to do much. I'm going to just honor the obligations that I have. If I can't cancel things, I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to take it easy. And that change alone and, and, and accepting it and honoring what my body is feeling at that time has been really beneficial for my mental health and my physical health. I love that, Kay. And I feel like we talk all about that today. And Mindy just gives so many amazing reminders for us and how we should be honoring our bodies and feeling empowered to do so. So I'm excited for our guest today, Dr. Mindy Pels. Dr. Mindy is a renowned holistic health expert and one of the leading voices in educating women about their bodies. She is on a mission to start a woman's health revolution. And Dr. Mindy's high profile clients include entertainer Leanne Rimes, former race car driver Danica Patrick, and actress Kate Graham, co-host of their joint podcast, Women United. She has also worked with popular influencer Jesse Itzler, Olympic athletes, Academy Award winning actors, Silicon Valley CEOs, and countless patients looking to supercharge their bodies, healing powers. There is nothing that Dr. Mindy loves more than empowering people to take back control of their health, especially when it comes to women. Her YouTube channel featuring fasting and alternative health tips have garnered over 26 million lifetime views. In today's episode, we talk about how to exercise, eat, live and fast in alignment with your menstrual cycle. Dr. Mindy is an expert in fasting. And even if you think that fasting isn't for you, you want to check this episode out because we all do some form of fasting. We also talk about navigating perimenopause and why more and more women are dealing with things like PMS, PMDD, infertility, and hormonal imbalances. This was one of my favorite conversations ever. Dr. Mindy is so inspiring, and she's here to make a change and help women feel more empowered and better than ever. So let's get into it. So Dr. Pels, we are so excited you're here today and want to jump right into it. And I'm curious, from your perspective, why are men and women different when it comes to fasting? Okay, so this is the the answer is actually quite simple and and it's a discussion I don't know why it's taken this long for humans to have. 
So we know men are driven by testosterone. They and and we can joke about it, but literally they have one hormone that drives them and it's comes in every 15 minutes and testosterone will go up into the brain and convert into estrogen. So they although they use all the different hormones, there's only one that they really need to focus on and that's testosterone and then estrogen will follow and they get a little bit of progesterone. We're completely different. We have three sex hormones that we have to think about. We have to think about estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. They are all made by the peripheral or the outer tissues of our ovaries. Some of it's made in the adrenal glands. But when we look at our lifestyle, we have to consider these three hormones, whereas they consider only have to consider one. The second thing is we have to remember that men's hormonal cycle is on a 24-hour cycle. Women's is on a 28 to 30, whatever, 32, whatever your cycle is, um, cycle. So we got one on a daily cycle and one on a monthly cycle. So that means when you just, if you think, if you just think about that, that means every food, every exercise, every fast, every supplement, every medication, everything we ever do has to be done a woman's way. We can't be clumped in with men because hormonally, our, our hormones are vastly different and how they show up for us in the time period they show up is vastly different. So if we just start with that, then the question is, well, what do these hormones want for fasting? And the simple answer for that is that estrogen loves when you fast, progesterone doesn't. So, I mean, and then we can go into the nuance on that, but that you got two twin hormones. We call them sex hormones. Mm -hmm. And they, they, you know, we think of them as the same, but they have vastly different ways in which we should build our lifestyle around them. I mean, the implications around what you're saying are just mind blowing to me. And we're going to get into all of this because it dives deeper into uh, when women should get specific blood work done. What does it mean? What does it mean? Like, you know, if you come back and you're insulin resistant at a specific time versus not another time. So no one knows this stuff. And it's so important to know. But first, I want to kind of go back to um, I, I work with a lot of women who under eat, or they'll eat one meal a day. And they're still gaining weight. They don't know what's wrong. They feel tired. They're just so confused because they think they're doing everything right. They think they're fasting correctly. Yeah. So what happens to a woman's body when she's just eating, let's say, one meal a day or, you know, significantly under eating calories for long periods of time? What's actually going on in our bodies? Oh, it's such a good question. So if we just look at the calorie conversation. Now, I'm not a fan of counting calories. Um, but I do think we have to consider calories when we look at the thyroid. And based off what we know about the thyroid, in order to keep good thyroid health, you've got to have somewhere between 1,200 to 1,500 calories a day. Okay, mm -hmm. that's a lot in a meal. If you're only eating one meal a day and you're like, well, I'm going to intermittent fast because I'm, I want to lose weight. At some point, if you're not at least getting 1200 calories in that meal, you're, you're going to end up where you're gaining weight or you stop losing weight or mm -hmm. worse yet, if thyroid goes off, depression, anxiety, a lot of mood challenges will come in. So we need to consider that. The second thing is that as humans, even, even men shouldn't do one meal a day. As humans, we are meant to metabolically switch. What that means is that 
we are meant to feast and to eat foods when at, at in, in large nutritious amounts, and then we're meant to go long periods without food. And the best way I can explain this is really the our primal ancestors. If you go back and you look at what they did, they had they really worked off these two systems. They would have to go days where they didn't have food. So they flipped over into the fat burning ketogenic energy system. They got ketones. It supercharged their brain. It allowed them to be able to go and hunt and collect food and find it. And then they would make a kill or they gather a bunch of plants. They bring it back to the cave and they would feast and they would do that for several days until they were out of food because they didn't have a refrigerator, they didn't have DoorDash, they didn't have a pantry, like none of that was accessible. So we had, we had to rely on these two energy systems. What's happening now is we're not relying on, on the two of them. You know, right now we're just trying to, dieting is just manipulating the food or the sugar burner energy system and not allowing us to dip into the fat burning system. But then once fasting became so popular, mm -hmm. everybody was like, well, let me just stay over here and fast all the time, forgetting that food heals too. So it's that metabolic switch in and out of food and fasting at a, at a, at a, a nice rhythm and for women, according to their cycle, that is the magic for weight loss. I want to actually get into the thyroid really quickly because you were talking about that. And I think so many women are struggling with thyroid issues right now, and it can feel like there's no hope except for taking medication. But what you said is really profound. You said that thyroid actually needs a certain amount of calories, and I don't no. think people's doctors are telling them that. No. No. Um, and so why, you know, is why are thyroid issues so prevalent um, and why are they so common amongst women more than men? Yeah, it's such a good question. So uh, the way I'd like everybody to look at the thyroid is it's the canary in the coal mine. So when it malfunctions, it's telling you there is a, an imbalance in your body that needs to be addressed. So if we just look at the thyroid, it's there's so much more than the, than just the thyroid function to be able to get these thyroid hormones into your cells. So the the brain has to send a message to the thyroid. The thyroid has to make, it mostly makes T4, but T4 is of no help to us. T4 has to go on to the liver and into the gut to get converted into T3. And then T3 still has to get into the cell in order for metabolism to be able to, to work appropriately. So that's brain, you know, that's four different major organs that need to be in balance in order for the production to happen. Plus, cells need to be open to receive that hormone. Mm -hmm. So now let's take it to your question, which is what's going on with the modern day woman? Well, our livers are, are, are under so, and our guts are under so much uh, physical, emotional, and chemical damage right now. Um, the toxic load of humans is at the highest it's ever been. Okay. So we, even going to the supermarket is a dangerous, toxic event. Beauty products for women, to answer your question of why this happens to more women, we're lathering beauty products onto our body all day long that the liver now has to detoxify. We've been on birth control for decades that destroy the microbiome of the gut. And then the extra any toxins we're breathing in, like phthalates from our, our perfumes, are going into the thyroid and destroying the tissue of the thyroid. So 
it, I mean, it's, it's such a vast conversation, but there's more to thyroid health than just, Hey, your TSH needs to be at a certain level. And it's bigger than bring your, your calories up. We really have to look at the whole system, which means the lifestyle that women are leading right now, Mm -hmm. just because of the makeups and the beauty products and the stress and the poor diet and the birth control and you name it, is throwing the whole system off. And that's why we have so many thyroid problems. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use. We make it effortless effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. You know, I want to go back to something, Dr. Pelz, that you said early on when we were talking about the difference between men and women and fasting. And you said the biggest difference is women have to fast based on the est- their estrogen and their progesterone. So for those who are listening and they're like, Dr. Pelz, I have no idea. How do I know what that is? How do I track it? Can you yeah. talk about how they can educate themselves on that and how they can fast really with their own rhythm? Yeah. So that into itself is is what we need to change. Yeah, exactly. Right. And this is, this is what happened to me. Like I didn't start to really unpack my hormonal like knowledge and health, um, until my early forties when I went into perimenopause and it was like, wow, I'm a doctor and I don't, and I'm woman and I don't fully understand my hormones yet as these hormones are disappearing, I'm not sleeping, I'm gaining weight. I'm going a little crazy in my own brain. Like, how is it that I don't know this? Mm-hmm. And then that que- question answers, well, who taught me hormonal health? And it was the gym teacher in, in ninth grade when I started my period who just said, hey, manage your blood. And that, and here's how you do it. And by the way, you can get pregnant now. That, that's the only, that's the education we have. Mm-hmm. So I just want to point out to the listeners, if they're hearing this and they're like, yeah, I don't know this, this is what we have to change. So to answer your question uh, specifically, estrogen is, I like to think of her as our extrovert. She comes in day one through day 10. She peaks during ovulation. She makes us really quite uh, incredibly powerful. It enhances our, our, um, our mental clarity, our verbal skills. We can multitask when estrogen comes in. It makes us have more energy. She stimulates serotonin that makes us feel good. So that first half of the cycle is where estrogen's coming in and she does really well with fasting. She does really well with keto. Um, and she does, she's, she makes us very extroverted. Mm. The back half of our cycle, the luteal phase is when progesterone's starting to build. Progesterone makes us very inner. 
uh, makes us crave more carbs. Progesterone's what's got to build so the in- uterine lining will shed, whereas estrogen has to build for the release of an egg. So that they they're literally working in tandem, but they couldn't need different things from you more. Like progesterone really really needs you to chill out. Progesterone really, really needs you to eat more carbs to bring up, bring up your glucose level. You crave chocolate the week before your period. That's not because you're undisciplined. That's because progesterone needs more magnesium. So they, there are these two magical hormones that have been running us since the day we started our periods. And yet again, I mean, you guys, you know this, like, how many of us bitch and moan about like, oh, the week before my cycle, like all I want to do is eat and I just don't want to do anything. I want to sit on the couch. And I want everybody to go away. And and the men I talk to are like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk to my wife that week. They're like scared of us. And this is why we have to crack open this conversation because if a woman understood herself, mm-hmm. she would say, hey, give me some space. Like, give me some space. I'm just nurturing myself. And, and then come back to me when my cycle starts. And then we, I'm going to, my extroverted version is going to come back out. Yeah. That's such an interesting thing. I was telling Yasmin the other day, ever since I've kind of dialed in on this conversation and listened to experts like you, the luteal phase, which is what you're speaking about, is actually my favorite because it's Uh, a time now that I like get it, it's a time where I can organize, I can sit with my thoughts. I can, it's like, I'm my own therapist at this moment and kind of go through everything. So I want to talk about, because you mentioned at this time is so demonized, like, oh, she's bitchy, she's cranky, PMS, she just wants to eat carbs. How can we be more supportive of ourselves during this time versus like, Mm -hmm. you know, that classic sitting on the couch eating chocolate and potato chips and just crying? (laughs) (laughs) Such a good question. I love this conversation. Um, because that's really what it's about and um, is supporting ourselves and getting to know ourselves. So, you know, the one word of caution I want to give all women and men as you learn this information is that it doesn't mean we sit on the couch and and order everybody around and tell everybody to go. I mean, there's a way for us to do it in, in a way that supports all the relationships around us, plus supports ourselves. So the way I recommend is, um, for starters, can you eat more of nature's carbs? So this is your sweet potato. This is your tropical fruits. Um, you know, these are our uh, citrus fruits. Um, these are quinoa, rices. Like, let's bring your, your glucose levels up. That's what your body already naturally wants to do. So if you feel more hungry during this time, don't sit and, and, and shame yourself or guilt yourself or go, I'm undisciplined. Mm-hmm. What you can do is you can say to yourself, ah, I'm really hungry. I bet I need more glucose in order to make progesterone. So why don't I eat more of nature's carbs? This is not a free license to go have a box of pizza and a tub of ice cream. That's mm-hmm. not nurturing to the body. But to have a big sweet potato and, you know, top it off with, uh, chocolate, a good chocolate drizzled over a banana. Mm, now that's, now we're working with what, um, you know, progesterone wants. The second thing is I'd love to see women, you know, cancel more social events. Like this is not the time that you want to be like out there with the big party hat on, like, you know, doing the town up. You want to actually say, if you look at your calendar, you want to say, no, 
Like I don't want to, I don't want to go into these um, environments during that time. I want to sit and really go introspective with myself. Um, I was just talking to a, another um, podcast interview interview interviewer today, and she told me that she has canceled doing any of her podcasts three days before her period. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's it. That's what we need to do. Uh, you know, I've shared this story. And, and so as she, um, I've worked with uh, Leanne Rhyme. she wrote the foreword of the book. And we had this whole like conversation about like, could we build your whole like tour schedule around progesterone in that week? Like, mm -hmm. like let's get you out in the extroverted times and then let's get you home in the introverted times. I think everybody, all women should think like that. So can you slow your schedule down? Can you get more glucose? And then that leads the other big elephant in the room, which is our exercise. This is the time to do more yoga. This is the time to walk more. This isn't the time to go and do CrossFit. This isn't the time to up your workouts. You want to, this is why I called it the nurture phase. This is when you really want to go within and nurture yourself. Um, and if you do, I think you'll see that A, you're a better version of yourself that week, but B, when you start to actually bleed, you're not getting the hemorrhaging, the clots, the cramps, all of that goes away because you honored the rhythm that your body wanted the week before. And, and, and the last thing I do want to say on this that is also not being talked enough about is what happens when, uh, when we bleed is there's a shedding. It's you're, you're, you're detoxifying. It is a way that we detoxify. So, but you're not just detoxifying uh, chemicals and uh, endocrine disruptors out of your body, but you're detoxifying thoughts and behaviors. There's, it's a, you know, a shedding and a letting go. So if we were really to do this right, the week before our cycle, we would go inward and we would mm -hmm. go into this place of like, what do I want to let go of? I have an opportunity in a couple of days to let go of a, a pattern of thought, a behavior, maybe a, re a relationship that's no longer serving me. And then once I shed, instead of villainizing that and being like frustrated that we have to manage that, could we look at that and say, okay, I'm letting go of the past that, that I don't want to bring into this fresh new cycle. Very beautifully said. Yeah, I actually have, haven't heard anybody say it in that sense. So I, I really appreciate that. And Dr. Pels, one thing you also mentioned early on, you know, the modern woman, we have so many different stressors and that's such a layered conversation. And one thing you mentioned actually in an interview with Drew that I was recently listening to, you said, if cortisol goes high, progesterone goes shy. Yeah. I love this because I was doing everything wrong earlier in my life. Yeah. Can you talk more about that and why it's so important, again, to, for us to support the progesterone in our bodies? Yeah. So when estrogen is very cortisol forgiving, so go ahead and stress yourself out the first in the follicular phase if you want. Um, it, it you won't even notice the change in your hormones, but progesterone's not. Um, I, I, you know, I, this I think of them like my kids. This is how I think of it. Like you know, progesterone's that kid that just is so sensitive mm. and just needs you to sit with her a little bit longer and and really be patient and not push through um, and and nurture her, which is why I call it the nurture phase. But when cortisol goes up, progesterone goes down. So when, that's why I say she, she goes away. Mm -hmm. um, and so if we're missing our cycle, if we're struggling with our, our period when it actually shows up, 
Um, we didn't, we didn't mind cortisol. We pushed on through that. Um, I think the thing that we don't talk enough about hormones is how vulnerable they are to the modern world. Mm. And, and part of that is because we haven't had conversations like this until now, but you will absolutely miss your period. Um, you will find the first, when you actually bleed that it's horrible, you will be more moody if you don't just slow life down just a tad and just kind of have a little more ease and grace that week before, because the minute cortisol goes up, progesterone's out. Now, the, the neurochemical aspect of that is that there is a precursor to both cortisol and progesterone, and it's called DHEA. And when cortisol goes up, your body goes, oh my gosh, we need to take all of our DHEA reserves and we need to put it towards making cortisol. And therefore, we don't have any left for, for progesterone. So there's literally a neurochemical switch that's happening the more we stress, especially that time of your cycle. And this has been interesting because uh, we have run probably five to 10,000 different hormone tests on women over the last couple of years. And I will tell you, we haven't seen one woman have normal DHEA levels. Wow. wow. That's because, you know, what, what have we been taught? Uh, I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah. I can, I'm a woman, I can do anything a man wants, can do. Uh, you know, we are trying to live in a patriarchal uh, masculine world that is go, 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 go. And we can do that three weeks out of the month. We can't do it yeah. the week before our period. So fascinating. And progesterone for anybody who's listening is so important. I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm only going to track my cycle if I want to get pregnant. But right. that's not true. Everyone should consider tracking their cycle as early as they can. And I remember listening to you talk about this in an interview when you started to track your cycle, I think around when you were like about 40. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, 43. 43. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to make a case for this because it's not just for fertility. It's for understanding your body and why it's so important. So what is the case for tracking your cycle starting now? <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for bringing this up. Um, so, my, so my kids are 23 and 20. And uh, whenever, you know, they bring friends over, of course, we start talking hormones. And when they're, the, when my son has some, some, uh, some of his friends that are girls come over, I've actually noticed that the 20-year-olds are actually starting to track. And I don't know if it's because the apps or, or what, but it does seem like we are seeing the younger generation track a little bit more. Um, so I just want to honor that. I think I can tell you my generation was like, we didn't, well, we didn't have apps. So we didn't, <laughs> we didn't know. But um, if you aren't tracking, you need to be tracking. And here's why. Everything you do in life should be mapped around your hormones. And if you understand when estrogen comes in, if you understand when progesterone is going to show up and you get to know the personalities of these hormones and you look at a tracker, you are going to understand your moods a little bit better. You're going to understand your behavior a little bit better. So it, you're going to have more compassion for yourself which hopefully will do away with so much of the negative self-talk that is infiltrating women today. So let's start off with that understanding. 
then you'll be able to get to know which, you know, how should you be exercising, why you're not sleeping well, mm. why your motivation and drive may have gone down. You'll start to sort of see a pattern that you can adapt to. And then the third, and I think this may be one of the more important ones, is that once we know ourselves, we can explain it to those around us. Yeah. And, um, you know, when I first started tracking it, I used an app called the Clue app. And I, it shows a little circle and it has like your PMS days. It has these little clouds that go around it. And then it has a way you can share your cycle with somebody. Yeah. And I thought, oh my God, I got, I got to share it with my, not only my spouse, but my kids, my staff, like everybody should know each other's cycle because then we would have a different mm. uh, level of compassion and a different level of communication. And, you know, this, just the tracking alone, there's so much we can do with it. And, and I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a dad come to me and tell me that he was really struggling how to communicate with his teenage daughter. And I said, do you, do you know her cycle? And he's like, no, like that, why would I know that? Mm -hmm. And, uh, I said, does your wife? And he's like, I don't think so. And I said, here's why. If you are in conflict with your teenage daughter, and you're trying to get to her and talk to her the week before her period, you're not going to get very far. You're going to, and you're only going to throw her hormonally off, but she's in an introverted mood. But if you have that same conversation when she's ovulating and estrogen is at its peak and progesterone is, a, is coming in a little bit and testosterone's at its, its peak, hormonally, she's going to be more receptive to deal with that conflict. Mm -hmm. So- yeah. I mean, once we start to have women track it, they can start to understand themselves and then they can speak that language to those around them. And I mean, this is what we do in my household all the time. My 23-year-old my daughter just the other day had a bunch of stress happen and yeah. she came to me and she's like, I, I can't talk right now. I'm super reactive. Um, mm -hmm. I need to go get some oxytocin. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like the proud mama. I'm like, yes, she knows. And I got it. It was like, I'm not going to, we're not going to have this conversation right now. You go hormonally balance yourself. And when you're ready, come back. And it was, she was the week before her period. That's, that's the level of relationship awareness that we could bring this to if you just track your cycle. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And how empowering. I mean, if they brought these types of conversations into the workplace, into school, like yeah. how many conflicts could be saved. And yeah, it's very interesting for sure. Um, I want to get back into the topic of fasting because all of this understanding where we are in our cycles can also help us use fasting to our benefit. But first I want to back up because mm -hmm. last week we put out a piece of content about fasting. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions around fasting because people automatically assume, oh, this is maybe feeding into some type of disordered eating or, you know, there's there's two different camps typically. And then yep. there are people who don't maybe know anything about fasting, but we all do some form of fasting. Mostly everybody sleeps at night or during the day and you're not okay. eating at that time. Yep. So let's talk about first, what are the benefits of giving your body a rest from calories? Yeah, such a great point. Um, so the type of fasting that I'm advocating for is time restricted eating. So it's exactly what you're saying. You're giving your body a rest from the influx of food. Mm -hmm. 
And when we look at what happens in this time-restricted eating is we have these two energy systems, one that gets activated when glucose goes up. We call that the sugar burner system. So every time we eat, glucose goes up and we, we have a whole system of healing that can happen there if you're eating the right foods. And at about eight to 10 hours at when glucose has started to go down, so eight to 10 hours since the last meal, your body's going to metabolically switch over into the fat burning system. When it switches over here, all of a sudden there's a whole set of new chemicals that get made. So we start to see testosterone go up. We see inflammation come down. We see growth hormone go up. We see the cells start to repair themselves. We see the gut repair itself. The dopamine system that controls our happiness level gets a total reboot. The body starts to burn energy from fat. And from a weight loss perspective, that's amazing. But also, you, a lot of people have fat around their organs. This is, you know, the liver and the heart and the lungs. They can be what we call skinny fat, where they look skinny on the outside, but there's fat elsewhere. And in the burning of fat, that's where so much healing happens. So I, I hear you. There's, it's one of the things that I'm really trying to get the world to understand is that the body was meant to metabolically switch in and out of sugar burner and fat burner. Mm -hmm. So um, if all you're doing is staying in the sugar burner state and you're not getting over into the fat burning, burning place by skipping, you know, it doesn't have to be every day, but going at least 10 to 12 hours without food on, on many days, you're missing out on a whole repair system. Mm -hmm. So, it, it's this natural system we have to reset our bodies. And now if a woman does that according to her cycle, now she's really maximizing the benefit of fasting to improve hormonal health. So so I hear it so often, like women shouldn't fast. Fasting's not good. Um, I, I mean, we've what I'm teaching you all here, we have seen work on our YouTube channel. We have 3 million people who come to our YouTube channel every single month. Wow. And they, we, I ask them, I'm like, tell me what you're seeing. And it's insane. The healing results that people are getting with time restricted eating. So mm -hmm. if, if that's not like, if you're not, if you can't wrap your head around that. I always say, try it, understand it, learn the science before you villainize it. And you know, I'm curious, um, Dr. Pels, when you say time-restricted eating, how long should that window be? I mean, looking at me, I'm someone who's in their reproductive years. When I don't eat during the day or even if I skip breakfast, my body goes into fight or flight and it's not fun for anyone, including myself. But I can very much do it through like post-dinner to the morning. That is very gentle on my body. So I'm curious, what's the time frame and maybe like the structure you recommend maybe for women in their reproductive years? And maybe we can tap into perimenopause and menopause yeah. after that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in Fast Like a Girl, I laid out six different level fasts. Um, I think of them like a Swiss Army knife. Sometimes you pull out the big knife. Sometimes you pull out the tweezers. Sometimes you pull out the corkscrew. So that's how I look at these six different level fasts. They're not meant to be done all the time. So you have to decide what healing you want to have happen to your body. So, um, and, and once you know what you're trying to accomplish, then you can figure out what length fast. 
You have to, the healing and, and the fat burning system doesn't necessarily start until about 12 hours. And, um, one of the greatest studies, by the way, ever done on for women was done on 13 hours. And it was a group of women that had gone through breast cancer and had had chemo and radiation. And when they came out of breath, out of that experience, they had them fast 13 hours every single day. This wasn't even according to their cycle. What they found was after looking at these women after six months, they found that the women that fasted 13 hours every single day had a 64% less reoccurrence of cancer. Wow. So look at fasting like sleeping. Mm. Sleeping heals. That's why we sleep. But not everybody can sleep. I mean, there's, there's people have written whole books on the, on the inability to sleep in, in a, a restful way. Fasting is the same way. It's a, it's a muscle you're going to want to train and get to know and then customize it for you. You all might do great with nine hours of sleep. I might only need six. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the same thing with fasting. Get yourself to 12, 13 hours. And then from there, let's see if you want to go into some of the deeper fasts. And, and that, that's really the way I teach it because it needs to be personal to you and what you're trying to do. And this changes throughout. So through the follicular phase and then ovulatory, luteal, everything menstrual phase. And my understanding is that the menstrual phase falls in the follicular phase. So can we be doing these, maybe experimenting with longer fast while we're bleeding? Yeah. And so this is also a really good point. Think of, think of the, from, let's say you have a 28 day cycle. Uh, and twenty day you on day twenty nine you bleed so that would be day one. That transition, we just got to give a little more credit to ourselves. I mean, you're building, building, building progesterone. The body's about to shed at all of the toxins, all of the thoughts, everything. It's just going to shed it all out. And on that first day, it's tough. Uh, you know, it, that's good. There, there is there needs to be compassion on that day too, because all of a sudden you've made this big hormonal transition and all the hormones have crashed down. Mm -hmm. I think a a good analogy to this would be like postpartum. You know, why do we get postpartum uh, is uh, depression and and challenges is because there's a building, building, building of hormones and then boom, they're gone. So we're getting that every single month on day one. Mm -hmm. The more you nurture yourself in in that luteal phase, the easier that transition will be. Now, about day two, day three, you're ready to start to go into the longer fasts. So if someone wanted to do a three-day water fast, you know, anytime after day two is usually a really good time. Um, An interesting note that I, I really encourage women to think about is that most of us are hungry, 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 we're famished, and then we bleed and we're like not hungry anymore. Yeah, that's that's the way it's supposed to work. So progesterone came in, now she's gone, and now estrogen is coming in. So whenever estrogen comes in, the longer fasts are going to work a lot better. Got it. Yep. That totally makes sense. Right? I mean, that's the thing that's like every woman I talk to, they're like, that's how I feel. Yeah. 
I feel so hurt in this interview. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Even though can yeah. I have a hormone company, it's still a good reminder, even for me with everything that you're saying. And, you know, in our company, Bia, we work with a lot of women who are in the perimenopausal phase. I know that could last 10 years, right? Which is quite a long amount of time. So how would you recommend women in this phase kind of fast and support their bodies? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. I, I feel like I'm the poster child for the menopausal women that are feeling unheard as well. So uh, yeah. So for starters, if you're over 40, I again want to want you to have compassion for yourself. Um, what's happening after 40 is the ovaries are going to go into retirement. And what that means is over the next 10 to 15 years, this is a long, long, long transition. You're going to start getting less estrogen, less progesterone, and for some women, you will get less testosterone, which means you're going to, that, that's how I ended up tracking my cycle during those, that time, because I realized like, I don't get, I don't understand myself. I don't, I, you could even, you know, see it in my hair. Like some days my hair would be really curly and then other days it was really stick thin. Like my moods were all over the place because these hormones were starting to decline and I hadn't really adapted my lifestyle to match those. So if you fall in that category, I, and I, this, I wrote in my a book that actually has been revised and will come out in uh, June called The Menopause Reset. And in that book, I put five different life changes that need to happen. Fasting being one. So you've got to, it, it, when estrogen goes down, you become more insulin resistant. Mm. So the diet you did at 35 is not going to work for you at 45. And that's another one where I hear women go, I'm calorie counting, I'm restricting, I'm working my fanny off, and I can't lose weight. Yep. Because estrogen's gone down, you're more insulin resistant. So you, fasting is your tool. Mm -hmm. So that would the, that's the first one. The second is cycling in and out of keto and low carb, because usually women will then go to, to low, car, low, low carb to try to lose weight. And they forget you got to bring bring glucose up. So learn how to cycle your food. The third one is you got to lean into your microbiome. Mm -hmm. So you have a set of bacteria in your gut that start to break down estrogen. You're getting less estrogen than ever before. So what if you've been on birth control for 20 years and your microbiome is decimated? Are you eating a variety of foods or are you eating the same foods over and over again? Are you doing polyphenol, probiotic, prebiotic foods so that you can repopulate that microbiome so it can break estrogen down so that you can use the little, the declining estrogen levels you have? Mm -hmm. And then the, the fourth one is toxicity. So, you know, the makeup you put on that is an endocrine disruptor might've worked for you at 25. At 45, 55, it's giving you hot flashes and mm -hmm. it's causing you to gain weight. So you got to start detoxifying your life. And then the last one is what we call uh, a beautiful uh, woman wrote a book about this called the rushing woman syndrome, which is you're going to have to slow down. You got to mm -hmm. pause. Uh, when I went into my 40s, I really started to, to bookend my week where Friday afternoon, I scheduled nothing. I was like, nobody, no, nothing went on my calendar. It was me time. And then Sunday afternoon, the same thing so that I could get some pause moments in my week. I started learning to say no more. 
I started learning to exercise differently. Mm -hmm. um, so we really, the rushing woman lifestyle kills <laughs> menopausal symptoms. This is, uh, what's the book called again? The Menopause the Reset? The Menopause Reset, yeah. Reset. I love this conversation. We quite frequently talk about how women transitioning into perimenopause and then menopause are often like a forgotten group of people. And which is ironic considering that that is the group that is the biggest consumer of health and wellness. So it's yep. like, that is the group we should be supporting because yep. not only do they care the most, but they're going to get their families to care too. So yep. I feel like these types of conversations are so key. And I think after women have children, their children getting older, like my hope would be for this group to have a renaissance. Like yes. what does this next chapter of their life look like and how can they support themselves and how can they support their health? Like, it's a, it could be a beautiful time to be alive. So yeah. I love this and I'm really excited about that book. Um, um, can I just say something on that? Yeah. Thank you for, for, for understanding that. I call it a cultural hush. Like, oh, we shouldn't talk about menopause. Like, yeah, my wife's really irritable. Like nobody wants to talk about it. But I can tell you every menopausal woman I've sat with or any woman over 40 is like, can you please help me? Yeah. Like every TV interview I go on, the producer, if they're over 40, is like, hey, can I ask you a question? Like everybody's dying to talk about it. And, and then beyond that, what's really tugging at my heart right now is that we have two statistics that we need as a culture should be really concerned about. The most common time for a woman to co commit suicide is between 45 and 55. Wow. Why is that? She's losing these hormones and she doesn't understand herself. So, and nobody's talking about it. So we're left to believe that we're going crazy. So that's the first thing. If that doesn't motivate you, the second statistic is that 70% of divorces after 40 are initiated by the woman. Wow. Why is that? She's, she, her brain is changing and, and we want to come in and, and use drugs and we want to debate HRT and bioidenticals. I'm not here to debate that. I'm just saying, what if every woman at 40 knew how to shift her lifestyle to match the shifting hormones? That's what the menopause reset is all about. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Those statistics are quite frightening in addition to all of the other things that happen physically to a woman's body at that stage higher risk of certain cancers and Alzheimer's and heart disease and all of that, that can be supported by supporting our bodies through every single stage. So, you know, if a woman, let's say, let's go, go back to the reproductive years, because you mentioned, hey, we kind of are more insulin resistant at a specific time in our cycle, the luteal phase, or maybe our cholesterol is higher at that time. Like if a woman yeah. in her reproductive years wants to get a good snapshot of her health, what time of her cycle should she be looking at her blood work? How can she have these conversations with her physician? Yeah, yeah I, I think there's no perfect time for blood work. Um, other than when you get blood work, please understand what your day of your cycle you were at. And, and here are some of the big things that you need to know. The biggest is that in the back half of your cycle, if your glucose, your fasting glucose is higher, that's normal. That mm -hmm. it's supposed to be higher. So if your doctor says, hey, I'm concerned your glucose is a little high, make sure you go and look at hemoglobin A1C because hemoglobin A1C is going to give you a snapshot of what it was for 90 days. So, and same thing with, with fasting insulin. If both of those are higher 
and you were move, you were on day 20 of your cycle, that conversation needs to be had. In the front half of your cycle, cholesterol goes up. And the reason cholesterol goes up is because you need cholesterol in order to make estrogen. Mm. So the body naturally gives you more cholesterol. So if you go in and your doctor is like, hey, I'm concerned about your cholesterol, did, do you know what time of your cycle that you were on? And I think that is what it, it, those are two of the biggest markers that I see. Um, I'm, I'm starting to unpack all the different changes we, we are seeing, um, with blood work, with the cycle. You know, I'm sure you guys have talked about this. Like we just don't have enough research on women. And to your, your point, like after 40, like we're the ones you're going to want to spend money with, you know, get to spend money with, with you because we're motivated. We have money. Why aren't we researching women over 40? Um, so, but we don't, we have limited data. So those are the two biggies that I know right now that need to be addressed. Um, I was just saying when I started this podcast that I, I discovered a new study this weekend, um, because my, my next book's going to be about the female brain after 40 and what lifestyle we can use to help her and glutamate the neurotransmitter that is excitatory, um, and keeps us very alert it actually starts to go down when estrogen goes up. So day seven, day 12, and day 21, this study started to show that glutamate would get out of balance because estrogen would go up. Well, glutamate has to be, if it's too high or too low, you're more prone to anxiety. So when you look at day seven, you look at day uh, uh, 12 and day 21, back to your question about tracking your cycle, could you look and see, okay, wait, those days I am a little more anxious. Okay. Maybe that's a glutamate imbalance. Now neurotransmitters are very hard to, to, to measure, but we know 5-HTP is a precursor to glutamate. So maybe you need to come in with a, with a supplement like 5-HTP at that point to balance glutamate. This is what I hope over the next several decades we start to study and understand so women can live a life accordingly. Absolutely. Because anxiety is one of the things that women at that stage say most frequently. I mean, at all stages, but especially, you know, that stage, I just feel anxious all of a sudden. I can't sleep. I have insomnia. Right. Yeah. And you know what we do then? is because we're anxious and we don't understand ourselves, we look around us and we go, oh, well, it must be my husband. It must be my job. It must be this situation mm. because we're so um, out of touch with our feminine rhythm. Yeah. We haven't been taught what we're talking about here. So we, we turn it outwards. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, I, that, I have compassion for the men and the other people in our lives that maybe are like, wait a second, you were like so joyful yesterday and now you're walking around so agitated. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why it's so important that we, we bring conversations like this to the surface. Absolutely. You know, we had somebody, one of our customers write into us who she's in her fifties and she's like, my gosh, thank you for all this education you're bringing. But I wish I knew this earlier in my life because if I supported my hormones in my thirties, I wouldn't be dealing with so many things in our, in my fifties right now. And I'm curious from your perspective, why is it so important for women who maybe are in their twenties and thirties or even from their first period to support their hormones? Because this is something that can I want to get across, but a lot of women are like, oh, I think I'm okay but they're they 
might be missing their cycles or they might have, uh, you know, cramping. But why is it so important for women who are in the reproductive years to support their hormones now to avoid maybe repercussions in the future, if, if any? Yeah. So there's two things I want to say on that. The first is I, I have this vision of how can different generations of women support each other? You know, and this kind of goes back to the question we had about menopausal women and how we approach menopause. Um, you know, you sort of get tossed aside as you get older in our culture here. You're not thought of as an elder or a wise woman. Whereas mm -hmm. if you look at, I started to do some research on how different cultures approach menopause. And in Indonesia, when a woman goes through the full year without a cycle, she's now considered to be a wise woman of the community. And, wow. and people look to her for advice because they feel that she's more psychic. She's, she's got more intuition. She has years of wisdom that she can turn around and, and bestow upon the younger women in the community. So I, a lot of my following is women over 40. And this is what I, I tell all the menopausal women please go down and educate the 20 year olds. Please let's nurture and foster and help those women understand this because the world they're living in is much more toxic than the one we grew up in. Yeah. So I, I, I dream of this intergenerational connection as women. I don't, I don't know what this looks like, but I feel like we need to work together. Now, having said that, in your 20s, you know, their infertility, let's just start with that. Infertility is at the highest it's ever been. And out of what uh, I didn't really realize this would happen, but what came out of Fast Like a Girl was the number of, of women in their 30s that poured onto my social media that said, I don't have a cycle. I'm, I just got married. I want to have a baby. I don't have a cycle or the number of miscarriages that happen. And we don't understand that there was a toxic piece of, of something going on in the body that is throwing off the viability of the egg, of an egg. Mm -hmm. So it's in that 30 that we start to see the hormonal trap begin that, and that's where it's very difficult. It's, it's not impossible, but there's more things you're going to have to think about to bring back your cycle. So with my 23 year old daughter, you know, the, the she, she tracks her cycle. She knows how to eat according to her cycle. Um, we are working on detoxing her, like just really getting her body in the best shape it possibly can so that as you go into 30s and 40s, you're more equipped than, than I was. I mean, 43 and perimenopause just threw me on my ass. And it was because I didn't, I, I had none of the knowledge that we're shared, right, sharing right now. So it's like getting ahead of it is what I would tell the 20 year olds. And it, I think the hardest thing is we think, oh, I'm going to be okay. It's yeah. not going to happen to me. But I, if, if the 30 year olds listening could tell the 20 year olds, you know, it's that mid 30, that is the most common age I'm seeing now pour on to yeah. all of my platforms because they're struggling. Yeah. And to that, to that point, I want to talk a little bit more because you mentioned infertility, you mentioned miscarriages. Now, Yasmin and I work with a very specific group of people, so we hear it a lot. But even amongst my friend group and when I'm out, just hear so often PCOS, yep. so common, uh, amenorrhea, really difficult PMDD or PMS, not knowing when their cycles are coming. Oh, I got it three months ago. I have no idea when it's coming back. Why do you think that this is happening? It feels to me it's happening at a very alarming rate. 
Yeah. And maybe I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen the stats, but it feels that way. Why do you think this is happening right now? Yeah, uh, we are in a uh, evolutionary mismatch with this modern world. Our our bodies are biologically complex and it's not matching with the modern world from a physical, emotional, and chemical standpoint. There are more endocrine disruptors in our system. We have more stressors. We even go into social media and you didn't get the likes. Somebody else did something else that you are like, oh, well, they're having fun. I'm not having fun. They're doing some, they look better than I look. Like the, we're, we're start, the stress levels are at the highest they've ever been. And then you've, you've got, uh, you know, you've got the toxic loads, you know, when I was 20, I just put lotion on my face. I didn't have to think of, oh my God, are there endocrine disruptors in this? Um, my generation, I'm 53 at my generation, some went on birth control, some didn't. Um, you know, there was a lot of use of condoms. Now what I understand is condoms, men aren't willing to use condoms. So it's a lot more, the burdens put a lot more on women. So the toxic load is so huge. But what I, what I want to reflect back is we never, the PCOS, we didn't even talk about PCOS when I was in my 20s and 30s. Wow. PMDDs, when I first heard that, I was like, you mean like cramps? And like, no, it's a full disorder. We didn't have that. Infertility? No. That wasn't an issue when I was 30 and trying to get pregnant. Most people got pregnant when they wanted to. So when we start to see this happening across the culture, we have to stop and go, what's the commonality? And the commonality is toxins and stress. Mm. And if we can address just those two things and then combine that with the ebbs and flows that we're talking about on this podcast of how to live a life in accordance with our hormones, I promise you all those things will stop. We have seen PCOS re uh, reverse uh, infertility just go to my webpage, go to my Amazon reviews on Fast Like a Girl. The number of women that have told me, hey, you know what? I followed what you said and I, I spent, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars on fertility uh, uh, treatment only to find nothing uh, work. And then I got in sync with my hormones and then I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it, it's, it's a problem. And, it, and just like I'm concerned about the menopausal women, mm -hmm. I'm concerned about the 20-year-olds. The and this is why, again, conversations like this are so important and we have to speak up. We mm -hmm. have to speak up to our doctors. We have to, to get to know ourselves. Like, you know, when we say women's empowerment, to me, that's what this means. Mm. It means empower yourself to understand yourself so you can advocate for your own health care because the system doesn't have your best interest in mind. Amen. Preach it. Yeah, right? <laughs> yes, totally. Oh, Dr. Pels, this is a super empowering and exciting conversation. I feel fired up thank after you. listening awesome. to you. So I know that so many people who are listening to this are also going to feel that way. So thank you so much for joining us. I think people are going to love this conversation. Awesome. Thank you guys. And again, we're more powerful together. Yeah. So you know, and women listening, let's unite forces. This is, that's one of the other things we do as women. We're competitive with each other. Mm -hmm. Forget that. We're more powerful when we know ourselves and unite together. So I just appreciate the, uh, the chance to come on and chat with you too. Um, and let's just carry this message forward. So super grateful.